Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Anna Gray and Jim Brown. Did he say sometime controversial? We're always <laughs> controversial here for you listeners here at Dateline Louisiana. By the way, that's our website, datelinelouisiana.com. I'm here with my co-host, Rana Gray. Rana, we're, we're, we're not kind of controversial. We're, we're horribly controversial. <laughs> we're terribly controversial on this show, right? Well, we don't seem to always be on the same page, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I know because uh, it, it's just a reflection of the fact that uh, I just know more about this stuff than you do. That's, and I'm just, just so, a, I'm just wrong so that's often. Right. I mean, let's, you know, let's just call it like it is, right? But we talk about Louisiana issues a good bit, some national issues. We hope you'll stay with us here for the next 30 minutes as we uh, get into what's going on in the state of Louisiana, so much with an election year going on. The Louisiana legislature, uh, there was big momentum to give these fellows and ladies a pay raise. They've not had a pay raise since 1980, I think. And uh, so they wanted to bump their salary up to kind of in line of 75% of the national index, I think, going from initially it was going to, it, it's 16000 now, but that's not including the various expenses that I'll break down for you. But uh, they wanted to go up to 60000 that dropped to 45000 and then uh, the, not much backbone there. They said, well, it's election year. Voters aren't going to forgive us if we do this. And, and of course, what it does I mean, you can't make a living off being a state legislature, but there is expenses that you should be able to cover, uh, which is not being done right now. Uh, uh, and, uh, Ron, I don't know how many legislators you know personally, but, you know, some of these folks have come a long distance. It's a real effort to be away for their office. If they're a Baton Rouge lawyer, for example, or an insurance guy, well, heck, you can be in your office every single day. Right. And uh, if there's committee meetings, you can still run back uh, at, at 11 o'clock before the legislature starts at 2 o'clock. There's not much of a, a sacrifice in terms of time versus uh, uh, the longest-serving legislature in the Right now in the history of the legislature is Francis Thompson. It lives up in uh, the Rayville area, uh, uh, Richland Parish, up in the northern part of the state. And he's got probably a four and a half, five hour drive to come down here. Well, that, you know, that's a, a major commitment. So uh, uh, it's tough. There ought to be a balance. And if you look at legislators pay around the, the country, they get a much better shake in terms of what they get versus Louisiana. Well, I'm not very sympathetic on the pay raise issue because they found so many other ways to reimburse themselves. And while $16,800 sounds small, um, I don't want it to be a full-time job. You know, I don't want them to be down here in Baton Rouge meeting and all. I want it to be kept more in perspective. And they get a $168, I think, um, per diem. For if they do come on top of that to Baton Rouge for a meeting, so they probably double more than double that base pay right away because they're down here meeting year round. They're always having meetings at the Capitol in order, I guess, to earn that that per diem. And then they get mileage and they get office and staff and 
I, I'm not saying that it's no value to what they do, nor am I saying that that's enough money. I'm just saying then, then I want sixteen, thirty thousand, whatever you're getting with your per diem. That's how much work I want you to do. You know, come be efficient. There's so much waste of committees down there and hearing bills. They were hearing a bill in committee down there uh, last week that was to change state law for, for one person in Baton Rouge that would affect one person in Baton Rouge who wants to serve on a board. And the law was that you could only serve on one board if you were on this municipal police board. Right. And so they were going to change the law for this one person to serve this one time. And I'm like, come on. Fortunately, uh, the committee chairman highly recommended the bill's author withdraw it, and she did. But it's like, make better use of your time. Then we'd be willing to pay for more. Well, one of the problems is the Constitution. And I I was a delegate when Louisiana wrote its last Constitution in 1973. And uh, I was very familiar with the previous Constitution. My law partner and my grandfather-in-law was a delegate to the 1921 Constitution Convention. And we ended up uh, when we checked living in the same place during the convention at the uh, Pentagon Courts in Baton Rouge. But in any event, uh, the Constitution was tightly put together to where very few of these laws had to, had to be passed. I can't refer to the one person you're talking about, but all these dedications and all these spending priorities, none of that was in the previous Constitution. But it's it's been amended, I don't know how many times, 180 times, I think. And so it's been chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And the legislature has been irresponsible in terms of letting it chip away, in my opinion. People don't know what these constitutional amendments are. The way they're worded, you can't make them out. I just, people ask me, what should you do on these constitutional amendments? I vote up against them all. I don't care what it is. I just vote no because I, I think they, they it's just not necessary. So you get into these cases that you mentioned right here. Yeah, for one specific thing to change state law, it's like, no, that's not what we want you there doing. We want you there improving education, which is why I think they pull the pay raise because then first they cut the teacher's pay raise and then they're going to come – suggest that they go from 16000 to 60000 a year? Well, they year? didn't cut the teacher's pay raise. There was a proposed pay raise that did not get any traction. So uh, so there was a, a not not one that they took money away from that was already vested in them and anything like that. So uh, let me tell you, if you want to talk about making a sacrifice, I'll tell you how you made a sacrifice. I was elected to the state Senate in 1971. Now, I knew you got some money. I thought, I thought it would cover my costs, and, and I wasn't expecting to make a lot of money doing it. I was a sole practicing lawyer <clears throat> up in the little town of Faraday, Louisiana. So I uh, got came down and got sworn in. So what do you make down here? They says, you get 600 a month. Six, okay, well, then what about those? That's it, 600 <laughs> a month. That's for driving to and from Baton Rouge, that's for, uh, and, and I had six parishes, you know, these fellows and ladies in Baton Rouge, for example, uh, they can go to a meeting and be home for the 10 o'clock news. 
I'd go to a meeting that was three hours away from my home, get back at one o'clock in the morning, you know, trying to take care of my constituents. And then back then, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have any uh, uh, tele- cell, cell phones. phones right. uh, every call that I made, every single call from Faraday was a long distance call. So my, so unless my, it was in Faraday. That's right. Yeah, unless you lived in Faraday, you got you got a little break in Faraday. A little break with the Faraday constituents. I, my phone bill each month was nine hundred a month, and I was getting six hundred a month. And it says wow. to show you the, how the comparisons work. So I know what it's like to make a sacrifice. Of course, practicing law by myself, uh, the only blessing was there. We really had a great president of the Senate, Michael Keefe. And uh, Michael Keith, bless his soul, has passed away now. I've stayed good friends with him until he died. He gave a eulogy at his funeral, in fact. <clears throat> but Mike was a lawyer, and the majority of the members of the Senate were attorneys. And Mike said his, his rule of thumb was, we never come in the Senate session until late on Monday, and we never work on Friday. You never work on Friday. And, and which meant you know, the lawyers could have— uh, uh, you know, you're really only completely out of your office three days a week, in other words. So I could uh, uh, work till 11 o'clock or noon and get in the car, still drive to Baton Rouge and make the afternoon session. And then I was home Thursday night. So uh, that was one blessing out of it. But outside of that, I mean, it was a huge financial sacrifice. That changed. I got up and, and pled my case to the fellow senators, and they they upped that a little bit. Then I, when I was elected secretary of state and you joined me in trying to run that office, I was paid $31,000 a year is what, what I was paid. Now, again, that was in with inflation. It was a much cheaper time to live, but just shows you how that balanced it out. So it's a tough decision, but it won't be a— uh, a major campaign issue because they killed it in this particular legislature. As well, they should. You don't do that in election year. Now, one legislator had a pretty good idea, I thought, and that was to have, like, I feel like redistricting should be done by bipartisan, objective people. Come in, do a survey, look what other states are paying, how many hours they work, what perks they get. And bring to us something reasonable. I think people would accept that. But just to pop up and say, uh, we don't have the money to pay teachers any more than they're making. Oh, but we need some more money. Mm-mm. I think that would. I think uh, Representative Barry Ivey in Baton Rouge area said it best. It's if you vote for this, it's going to cost some people their reelection, you know, for voting for this. So I think it was a survival method. And they, they really ought to um, take a look at doing it in a better way. Well, so it's, this is 2023, and the last pay raise was, what did I say, 1980? Well, they hadn't done it right yet. When they get it right, <laughs> when they get it right they're going to get a pay raise. Yeah, well, if they do it, whatever, whatever right is, whatever right is. <laughs> Talking about spending and, and, and spending money, uh, did you read the story in the local paper about some agency— and, and I'm uh, trying to get the, the, the actual name of the agency. It's called, uh, uh, it, it oversees the private security people. Oh, the Board of Private Security Examiners. Uh, a board of Private Security Examiners. 
Now, well, that's a clown show. And I don't even know why they have a board. I guess you just can't let someone say they're a private investigator. But it seemed to me like that's just a license the state police should issue. That You shouldn't have a board to oversee that kind of thing. Well, you got a board, and then they pick an executive director, and they paid him good, a good salary. Well, this yo-yo that uh, is on the board uh, compensates himself to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars each year over a number of years that he has no authority to do, completely out of line. And he makes takes trips with his wife, and, and all this is paid for. Then And he goes out of the country, you know, because uh, that's where you got to learn about being a Louisiana financial examiner. Right, right. So, so they finally get wind of him after years, and they fire him. And then they hire a, a lady who's the executive secretary. Don't go out on requests for proposals for people to look at. Uh, no one knew much about her. They just hired her. She was the secretary there in the office or something. She starts spending the same way, completely unjustified. Then, <laughs> that's hard as it. Rot, what is she? Then what? What, what happens to Arata? Well, let, <laughs> uh, there's two stories here, and they're both equally. Unbelievable. One is what happens to her. It ends up that she's dealing drugs. That's what she's charged with, allegedly. The other is where he found her. He hired her. She was an exotic dancer at a a strip strip club club. that he frequented. So he meets her there and he hires her to be his secretary. And she ends up, when they get rid of him, she ends up in the top job. And, and then she's dealing drugs on the side. And then... Allegedly. The, then the question <laughs> is, where's, where's the board that was supposed to be? What's the purpose of the board if it's not to oversee your staff? I mean, this was going on for years. Well, where were these yo-yos on the board? I mean, every one of those are, are, are uh, completely out of line. And then for that matter, where was the legislative auditor's office? You know, that uh, when I was in office over the 28 years I was in office, we regularly had the state legislative auditor come into our office, examine our books, have a conference where I had to justify what was happening or if there were some irregularities, promise to get them all straightened out. Where was the legislative auditor? I mean, there were no, there was just no checks and balance. It just was a, a complete. Well, in this board falls under the Department of Corrections. I mean, you would think things were pretty buttoned down there if you're, you know, in charge of the criminals and you're in charge of, the prisons, and you're in charge of the examining the private security agents to see. But th- that's not all, Jim. I mean, the uh, when the inspector general goes in, she's claiming she's sexually harassed, that, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, done inappropriate things there. And the other people in the office are claiming that she showed them places in her private areas that she had tattoos removed and that she showed them photos oh of <laughs> naked people and all oh. kinds of stuff. Oh my god! I mean, it was a circus going on, and you're right. You're right. Where is the oversight? Where's the oversight? Well, you have a board of people appointed by the governor to oversee this. You have a person hired to be the director. He he came out of the New Orleans Police Department. He was a police officer. Huh. behaving this way well it, it's really pathetic and glad we're rid of them both and i suggest we abolish the whole board and let the state police or the 
uh, oversee the license of anyone who's in the security business along those lines. Now, let me jump to another agency, and I'm, uh, you think, how can you top what we just talked about? You got this group called Louisiana Citizens Property Insurance Corporation. I've written about them before on my website at jimbrownla.com. Senator John Kennedy called them this the worst agency, a force-run agency in all state government. Uh, first of all, that their negligence has cost you and me, if you're a property owner, over a billion dollars because they didn't buy reinsurance before some of these hurricanes, and you and I have got stuck with the bill. If you don't think that's true, look at your insurance policy, and it, 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 at the top of the policy, it shows where uh, the costs are, where you and I are paying for it. So they decide they want to get out of Baton Rouge. You know, Baton Rouge is a country town, and who wants to have an office in <laughs> Baton Rouge when you can go to the biggest city in New Orleans, right? Used to have a small office up here. I, th- I don't know what it was, uh, uh, 5,000 uh, square feet. The, it's just kind of a place that it's, – it's a pass-through agency. They don't sell insurance. They, they, they uh, go ahead and, and put it all out on bid – and, and this, it shouldn't take that much to do. In any event, they decide they're going to go to New Orleans. Now, they've signed a long-term lease in the Galleria. That's this plush 21-story office building located near I-10 and Causeway. You, if you go down to New Orleans and go at the Causeway exit, look over to your right. Big, huge, and gold, big gold letters, the Galleria. <laughs> Boy, you know that. Ritzy people have to have offices there, right? And I know a lot of very wealthy lawyers and others that do have offices there. So here comes the state agency. Citizens comes in, signs a lease for 125 months, 21,000 square feet. Now, look, it's not enough to have a nice office. You got to have perks, right? I mean, every public official, rather, every state agency ought to have nice perks. And so they did. They had a fitness center that they have in, where they operate, they have food service. And get this they got a car wash service. <laughs> you can eat there, you can work out, and get your car washed all as a state employee. And every state employee should have a car wash and have all those perks. Agreed. That's right. Chris agrees. Everybody, yeah, good luck. Citizens ought to be abolished, as I've said so before, as John Kennedy said. And it's just a a completely out of line state agency. And And, And we're stuck with that bill for 10 years? Yeah, that's right. A 10 year lease. Get a car wash once a week for 10 years, right? Uh huh, right. Not bad. well, it's it's against my religion to agree with Senator John Kennedy on anything. So I'm going to stick with the Board of Private Security Examiners as the worst run in state government. Now, don't go picking on our senator now. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, it really is funny to go on YouTube and just put in Senator John Kennedy, and he kind of eases into it, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you. Then he tells the, the person he's about to question, uh, you know, he calls them by their official title. 
I'm glad you're here with us today. I've just got a few little questions for you. And then it start, the crescendo starts building. And, you know, I can't watch. <laughs> he, he is very prepared. His staff oh. prepares him for those hearings. I oh, mean, does he? Oh, yeah. So he's probably the best prepared uh, member of the Judiciary Committee because, boy, he goes in the, and then right at the, just when he kind of is being nice and friendly, then he sticks the knife in, you know. <laughs> So, any event, um, but uh, those are two that should be in the hall of shame for sure. Those two offices, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. And that's our tax dollars at work. That's right. And then, of course, and then these legislators who uh, want to triple their pay want to want to pay be overseeing this want to pay raise, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other and to put a top on that, to put a lid on that, Rana. Uh, U.S. News and World Report came out with their state rankings here just last week. Uh, Louisiana, for the second year in a row, is dead last in terms of overall quality of life. They say that violent crime surges have increased here. Pollution is poisoning the air. And uh, uh, they talk about health rankings as far as kids, uh, the Ann Casey Foundation ranked Louisiana 49th for child well-being. Uh, education, 50th in the country. Corrections, 50th. Uh, the economy in general, 50th. Then what here, now, when it comes to overall economic opportunity, we picked up we're only 49th, you see, oh, yeah. instead of 50th. And so, anyway, health care is uh, right down the list. It's really a shame. And, and, and some of these figures are staggering, Rana. Uh, the national average of violent crimes per 100,000 people is 399 incidents. In Louisiana, it's 639, almost double in terms of violent crimes. Let me tell you about this, and I've worried, wondered about this for years, back when I was in the legislature. Louisiana factories, the national average of the industrial toxins they come up in the air. The national average uh, is 926. I don't know how that's figured, but that's what the number. In Lu- 926 pounds of industrial toxin per square mile is what it is. That's national. In Louisiana, it's 3,533. Oh, how sad. So we, and you know, look, I've ha- had this time and time again. At my age, I don't fly as much as I used to. But uh, I used to get off that plane, my nose was clear, my eyes were fine, and within four or five minutes of stepping off that plane, I was all stopped up. And it's still the case. It's still the case. So uh, I guess I'm lucky I've lived as long as I have. And we have so many, again, legislators who want pay raises who are so afraid of losing industry if they put any restrictions on it. And instead, other states see that you attract a better quality of industry and jobs. And I don't know what to say about it. We we are not taking care of anything. We It's not like we're 50th on a bunch of things and then, oh, but look, on education, we're 25. We're not. We're in the bottom on everything. Well, un- unfortunately, and we can get into literally hours of discussing this, but— uh, Oh, I don't have time for that today. You know, you can't make it hours. Uh, we have we have a this high proportion of poorer citizens that 
that are not, I don't want to say a drag, they, they're entitled to government services and they're entitled as citizens to be taken care of. But we do a, a huge proportion of taken care of, is the point I'm making, that limits our ability in terms of other dollars. So, uh, but I don't know. We, we, we talk about these, these uh, governors, and I, I've got more statistics to show you in terms of schools. Uh, uh, and we might even mention this now. I, 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 uh, this is in the Wall Street Journal today. I looked at a comparison in the journal of higher education and uh, uh, where the better colleges are. And uh, I've always been an advocate of one board for higher education in Louisiana. I have a flagship and have other boards, but don't make them all be competing for dollars, if you will. And I, I have a hard time finding that example. But what it says, I, I read it well, that if you take the top 10 or 15 colleges, uh, universities in the country, invariably half of them are in California. We always put down California, you know, as a state that's just a bunch of fruits and, and uh, uh, fruits nuts. And nuts and the right. Fruits and nuts, you know. So, they, they're doing uh, pretty good out there. Yeah. But, uh, and they have one board for higher education. And yet they've, uh, University of North Carolina, where I went to school, state of North Carolina, one board for higher education. Uh, Chapel Hill University is ranked as one of the top schools in a number of categories. No Louisiana school comes close. And we've got four boards, and every school wants to be a little LSU. And I guess if I were uh, living in in some smaller community and we had a college there, I'd want to fight to make them the best. I'd want them to have a, a an A-rated football team and have a graduate school in a number of subjects. I'd probably fight for that, too. It's just not in our economic interest. It's not in our best interest. We can't afford it. And so uh, uh, as a consequence— these are all problems we've talked about that the next governor is going to have to deal with. And yet the sad thing is that at this stage, at least, with four months to go, there's no one really addressing the things we've talked about today. So, uh, uh, As long as we elect people who don't address the things that matter to us, we're going to stay at the bottom. And you know what? If we fail to get involved and pick a good candidate, we we got to just look in the mirror. We've only got our own self. You know, public officials, let me say this, because we've kicked public officials a good bit in this segment. But public officials are no better or no worse than the people they represent. Right. You know, they want to be reelected, so they basically are responsive to their constituents. So... Uh, uh, if you if you feel that way, then fine. You got no right to complain. But if you want to make a difference, this is the one time. Probably could be for eight years in terms of the leadership of this state that's coming about. So I hope our listeners will take that seriously. And, and actually, people that listen to a podcast like this <clears throat> are more concerned, and we'll take it more seriously. I guess we're kind of preaching to the choir, <clears throat> but. Uh, we just want to educate you as best we can as we see these various issues here. So, Ron, our show's wrapped up for the day. Uh, we'll uh, follow up with another one next week. Ronagray.com, JimBrownLA.com, and, of course, this podcast, DatelineLouisiana.com. Take care, folks. Ron, have a good week. Talk to you soon. You too, Jim. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ron Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Rana, visit DatelineLouisiana.com. 
We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.